Today is Thursday, December 10th. The title for our devotional is Go There. We've been talking a lot about the Incarnation and exploring the theology of it in John chapter 1, primarily in verse 14. Today, we're going to begin applying this theology. John 20, verse 21 says, Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Here in John 20, Jesus is giving a quick commission of sorts to his followers. Prior to sending them, however, he bases their commission in the commission that he himself was given from the Father. As the Father is sending me, he says. So what does this mean? I think the idea of incarnational living is in play here. Just as Jesus was sent to live on earth, not just visit visit with a flash of brilliance impressed, then disappear. He was sent to live with humans, not as solely God, but as both God and man. In a similar way, Jesus expects his followers to go and make disciples. It seems to me the implication of this is that we ought to do ministry like Jesus did ministry with his incarnation as a model. Obviously, there are differences because he is God, we're not. But there are many aspects of Jesus' life and ministry that we should seek to imitate. Jesus didn't just tell them to do this, however. He modeled it in his ministry, and not only in the relatively intangible incarnation. Throughout his ministry, Jesus continued to travel and meet people where they were. He never set up a home base with showtimes at 5 and 7 for people to come from far and wide to witness his great miracles and profound teaching. That marketing poster writes itself, right? Instead, he continued to meet people where they were. In fact, when it seemed as if he was beginning to draw a large following, he said some stuff that caused most of the crowds to abandon him. Check out John chapter 6 for that story. Jesus also seemed to be quite comfortable going against social taboos to reach people. He didn't hesitate to eat dinner in the house of a tax collector, which was a despised occupation in the first century. Matthew 9, 9-13 says, As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those are who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. This encounter led to Matthew becoming one of Jesus' twelve disciples. Challenging taboos was a feature of Jesus' ministry. In John 4, he sits at a well and speaks with a Samaritan woman to the surprise of his disciples. In Luke 19, he insists on staying at the house of the chief tax collector in Jericho, a guy by the name of Zacchaeus. From these events in Jesus' life, it's obvious that he was not afraid to go there. Not just in conversation, but in location as well. Jesus went there because, as he states here, calling sinners to believe his kingdom message 
was the reason he came. For Jesus to accomplish this mission, he had to go there, regardless of social pressure, danger, disease, and distance. For additional content today, I've linked you to a blog post from Preston Sprinkle on his website. You can navigate to it on your own if you'd like to read it by going to the devotional page. I have included the link there so you can easily find it. But for those of you who would like to just listen, I will read it for you. The title of the article is Post-Christmas Reflections on the Incarnation. Again, this is by Preston Sprinkle. He says, America has no shortage of megachurches that glimmer with stage lights and thunder with deafening sound systems. But one of my favorite churches doesn't have any lights. No building, no stage, no bells and whistles. It doesn't even have a paid pastor. In fact, this particular church meets under an overpass of I-35 in Fort Worth in Waco, Texas. The church under the bridge, as it's aptly called, is a powerful portrait of the incarnation, God taking on flesh. In 1992, Jimmy and Janet Dorrell left the suburbs to reach out to several homeless people living under an overpass. They began by leading Bible studies and caring for practical needs. And as the gatherings grew, the Dorrells ended up starting a church. But they didn't hustle everyone back to the suburbs where churches belong. They stayed right there where the people were, right there under the bridge. Today, hundreds of the most diverse people you could imagine gather every Sunday to worship Jesus. Recovering addicts, college students, affluent business people, homeless mothers, and truckers who just drove over the church all gather in unison to celebrate Jesus' victory over their sin. An ordinary church made holy by his presence is their motto, and it could not be more theologically sound. Cigarette smoke and cheap cheap perfume waft through the air, purified by a thick aura of grace, all because one suburban couple decided to incarnate. He then goes into a description of Jesus' incarnation, which we've been talking about, and he summarizes it at the end by saying this, The one who spoke the universe into existence, who reigns over the nations, who commands history, who created you and me in his own image, chose to be laid in a box where animals ate grain. The one who formed galaxies and molded the earth suckled the breast of a 13-year-old unwed Jewish girl in a small village of a backwater province of the Roman Empire. Jesus is a religious leader, but the religious leaders didn't want him. Jesus is a king, but the kings didn't want him. Jesus is a revolutionary, but the revolutionaries didn't want him. Jesus is the perfect human, but humanity didn't want him. You didn't want him, but he wanted you. We are haunted and loved by an Ezekiel 16 tent-dwelling God with a beautiful tattoo, and his hunt landed him in a feeding trough. For reflection time today, are there any places where you are naturally hesitant to go? Why is that? Is it a certain city or state because of their politics? Is it a certain type of person because of preconceived notions you have of them? Is it a certain house, a neighborhood, or an environment because of the loss of luxuries? Do some honest reflection on this. Repent of any areas where you find sin. Surrender this to God and agree to any location where he may call you.